Welcome to the Bloom and Grow podcast, where we share stories of those who have grown through grief and break down barriers that isolate us in those challenging parts of our lives. We know that time doesn't heal, but intention does. There isn't a before and after in grief, but we grow through it. Many days more difficult than others. The weight of grief doesn't get any lighter, but we can get better at carrying it. This podcast isn't just for those going through something sad or difficult, but it's also for those who know someone who is by sharing tips and perspectives in how to be a better support for our loved ones that are grieving. I'm your host, Liz Fiddler, and thanks for blooming and growing with us. Hello, welcome back to another episode of the Bloom and Grow podcast. I am your host, Liz Fiddler, and today I have a guest with me, Christine. Would you like to introduce yourself? Yes, thank you so much for having me. My name is Christine Meyer. I am located in Roseville, Minnesota. I have four kiddos and I'm recently divorced and I am the founder of a nonprofit that serves women and girls who have experienced the loss of their mom through death and it's called She Climbs Mountains. That's awesome. So if you're new to the podcast or if you followed because of Christine, thank you so much for being here. Welcome. My direction to kind of break this podcast into its own, because I, I have another podcast called the Sunny Mary Meadow podcast, where I talk about, you know, growing and selling flowers. But then I did these bonus bloom and grow episodes because I actually lost my husband in 2020, the end of 2020. And so just kind of dealing with that, you know, that grief and just, you know, everyone talks about how lonely it is. And actually he lost his mom in 2010 in an accident. So that kind of touches close to home, but we raised funds for a scholarship for him where he went to college and we, we did all these things and it was kind of weighing on my heart. Like, well, now what do I do? It's been a couple of years. And in the back of my mind, I was like, well, I guess I'll start a nonprofit because that's what you're supposed to do, whatever <laughs> it might be. But I have this business, I have this coaching, I have this other podcast. And I, I knew deep down that that's that's not the right fit for me, at least not in this point of my life. But then I started thinking about my podcast and I, I just really want to elevate those stories of what other people are doing. So maybe I'm not starting a nonprofit, but I'm just shining a spotlight and giving some voice to those that have. So we would love to hear more about She Moves Mountains. I love that. Thank you for sharing about your story. I did, I do know a bit of your story. And I know that you touched on a really big part of what is important to us at She Climbs Mountains is that there often is this thread of feeling so lonely and so isolated. But the reality is we're not alone. And when we can be in community with other people with that shared experience of loss, especially when it's a, when you're in community with this, with someone who has experienced that same specific loss, and you can talk about your person in our case you can talk about your mom and people get it you know they just truly understand what you're talking about when you're saying i miss her so much or this time of year is really hard or you know it makes a difference and it it shifts that feeling obviously of thinking you're all on your own on this journey and so yeah we're we're big fans of being together and acknowledging that loss is real it doesn't end at a specific point in time, it's a lifelong journey and being with others who get it is healing and can change your life. So when, and I, 
it's hard because I go back and forth about sharing, you know, when my husband passed away or kind of some of those details because that timeline, because I think that can be confusing because people are like, oh my gosh, her husband died three years ago and she's already done all this stuff or your mom died. I don't know, maybe it's been 20 years. I'm hesitant to share that timeline because I don't want people to compare and think like, okay, well, after year two, you should be here. But sometimes it's, it's helpful. So when, first of all, what was your mom's name? And then when did she pass away or whatever details you want to share? And then when did you start this community? I guess I'm curious. And maybe it was, maybe it was a week later. Maybe it was 10 years later. I don't know. It was, a, it was longer than that. <laughs> it was longer than 10 years. Yeah. So my mom's name is Laura Lee. I love that you asked that. I think that's so important to, to say their names because they are with us. So, you know, keeping them present in that way is really amazing. And I love to say her name and share that. Mm-hmm. Um, so my mom died a long time ago now. It's been almost 34 years. I was 15 years old and she was 44 and she died of ovarian cancer. Um, She had lived with it for three and a half years. um, So she was diagnosed when I was 11. And really at the time, this was 1990, (laughs) there really wasn't support in, in the ways that there are now. And I will say even now, though I think it is getting much better, I do think, you know, you have to have for, for youth that have experienced loss, you have to have an active caregiver that's seeking out that support. Mm-hmm. Um, and also modeling that support is useful and helpful. So mm-hmm. that caregiver is also getting support <laughs> and access is a layered thing, right? So I won't get into all of that, but- um, well, I'm raising two fatherless daughters, although they have a bonus dad that plans to adopt them someday, but yep, that parenting, yeah, just my own loss and then their loss. And then, you know, your kids never met their grandma and yeah. So when did you start? So fast forward, um, you know, I, I was uh, there, there wasn't community of course at that time. I didn't even want it when I was 15. Like that wasn't something I was even on my radar, but there was always this seeking of, I was just curious, like, is there anyone else out there that has experienced that, that is feeling the way that I'm feeling? And when I was 19, I found a book that's very popular still called Motherless Daughters by the author Hope Edelman. She's now my friend and I and I collaborate with her and and facilitate for her, which is such an honor. Um, Isn't that but, such a weird thing to say, like, she's now my friend? Like, no, no, like, I just still don't believe it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean... But yeah, no, I, I had that feeling like two weeks ago when I was like, oh yeah, Boyd from Care 11, he's my friend. <laughs> like, yeah. Anyway, but because this position, yeah, awesome. when you talk about it, like you just, it's just, it's what, yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, that's right. That's right. Okay. So I, you know, I found her book. And so then that was that first feeling of like, oh my gosh, there are other people who get this, but there still wasn't like a real tangible community. I mean, it's very different to be in the pages of a book and connecting with live humans. So constantly seeking, fast forward 24 years. Okay, so this is 10 years ago. I was very pregnant with my fourth child and I was working just kind of for fun at a local yoga studio that serves mothers. So prenatal, postnatal yoga studio. And there was an opportunity basically. I had, I overheard someone talking about becoming a mom and being so scared to do so without their own mom. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm like, okay, don't interrupt the conversation. But like, I knew that feeling, right? And mm-hmm. and I'll also say in those 24 years, I collected a lot, a lot of resources. So I, 
it was books, articles, poems, like essays of, uh, about mother loss. And so I went to this teacher who the student was speaking with and I said, you know, I have resources. Can I share those? Can I share those with you so you can pass those along? And she said, yes. And um, two weeks later, no joke, different student, same teacher, basically the same conversation. Mm -hmm. And um, she's the teacher came to me and said, I really feel like you should do something with this. And so that started that journey of, I, I, mean, I don't know, I, it started with me facilitating a motherless mother's workshop. And I created a curriculum because I thought I could do that. <laughs> and, and basically, I just, I mean, I thought, well, I want to, I'll just create a curriculum based on what I want to talk about as a mom without her mom. A lot of it, you know, honestly, a lot of it was just story sharing, like give a space for people to share their stories. It's so simple, but it is incredibly healing yeah. to, to do that. Within three years, I, I decided I was going to make it a nonprofit. And at that time, obviously I had shifted programming. So it wasn't just serving motherless mothers. And also when we launched, it was with the goal of offering programming for girls. So in, you know, She Climbs Mountains originally was just offering programming for women. That was through workshops, monthly meetups, special events. And then in 2019, we launched our programming for girls ages eight to 18 called Girls Rise Up. So that's under the umbrella of the organization. That's just the name of the programming. And yep. we serve girls through a mentor program in partnership with Big Brothers, Big Sisters, Twin Cities, where we match adult motherless daughters with girls with that shared, same shared experience. And then we also do gatherings, monthly gatherings. So girls are in community. They know they're not alone. You know, they didn't have to wait 24 years like I did. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they get to know they're not alone. Like, you know, a lot of the girls are within a year we're serving, within a year of their loss, they're a part of our program. So, yeah. So in the episode notes of this, I'm going to have links to your website, your Facebook, Facebook group, Instagram, LinkedIn, all of that. But let's go through, because you actually emailed me, I think there were five events that are happening yeah. Six weeks. So let's talk yeah, about those because I just talk about what they are and what they entail because I think that will really help us understand what do you do in these meetups or whatever. Just tell us what's coming up. I'd love to share these specific events that are coming up are for women. We do have something coming up for girls, but I'll just share, you know, it's we're called She Climbs Mountains. Um, and it's, that's really, it's a nod to my mom who wanted to climb Mount Rainier and didn't have the opportunity to do that. But it's mm -hmm. also, really a metaphor for grief, you know, it's a struggle and it's also, there's beauty along the way. So that's my little cheesy metaphor, but I believe yeah. in it. <laughs> so we're actually going to vertical endeavors <laughs> with the girls Sunday. So I'm excited about that, but okay. All of the things that we're doing for women upcoming, I'm going to maybe pull up my list too. So I mentioned that I, I am doing some work in collaboration with Hope Edelman, um, who's again, the author of Motherless Daughters and, yep. and like six, six other books. And she has created a community, a virtual, mostly virtual community for motherless daughters and also does some retreats through her. I am offering actually a motherless mother's circle. It's an eight week series. And again, it's virtual. It, it, I have two different groups that meet. So one on Monday evenings and then one on Friday during the day. And that actually starts next week. 
Then I, I'm so excited about this. We have a five week writing workshop upcoming with author Sarah Conover. And she is an incredible human. She lost both of her parents in a sailing accident when she was 18 months old. And we've done a one day workshop with her already, but we're gonna be doing this five week series and it's called Love and Loss, Making It Matter. I think for those of us who have done some writing, like, wow, what a difference that can make as we move through, not move through, move with our grief. And then we're going to I'm personally pretty interested in that one because I'm about, I think I'm at 45,000 words of my book. So oh, wow. yeah. Liz, amazing. yeah, that's my goal in the next month to like get it up to about 60. So we're getting close, but oh, congratulations. So we can maybe that's connect a... in detail about that one a little bit after. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Mm-hmm. Then on Tuesday, January 23rd, we're doing drag queen charity bingo. So that's fun. Where's that going to be at? It's so fun. Um, Roxy's Cabaret. So one of my really good friends is a a drag queen there and he's part owner of Roxy's Cabaret and he's just an incredible performer. He's super funny and he's also super passionate about giving back to the community. They do these drag queen charity bingos. I think, I don't, I'm not sure if it's every Tuesday. I think so. Um, so yeah, we'll be there Tuesday, January 23rd. We've done it once before and it was such a blast. So fun. So, you know, that's just a way to be in community. We're not really being intentional about talking about our moms, but it, that's okay. We're having them together and yep. um, you don't have to be a motherless daughter to, to join in on that. It's also a way to elevate what we're doing. And then uh, the following Tuesday, this is the only, one of the only workshops that we offer to women that are estranged. I should say who have experienced loss through estrangement, separation, another form of loss other than than death. And it's a dual parent loss workshop. So that's for um, women who have experienced the loss of both of their parents. And again, it doesn't have to be just through death. And I co-facilitate that with a, a licensed therapist. I actually have experienced the loss of both of my parents through death but she has experienced the loss of her mom through death at a young age, and then she's estranged from her father. And so we acknowledge that those are all valid forms of losses. Yep, and, and that's definitely something that hits close to home. My husband, his mom passed away in 2010. And then, yeah, he and his father were not speaking for quite some time when he passed. Yeah. That's hard. It's complicated for me because people have thoughts or opinions of what I should do with that. And, you know, I just say, you know, I just need you to respect my husband's wishes and his thoughts. And I can't mend what he tried to mend that he could, you know, just, it's just complicated. It's complicated. And he and I talked a lot about that type of loss compared to the loss of his mom, you know, just that loss. Well, well. also tell you for people who are estranged, an adult child who makes the decision (laughs) to, to, to set a hard boundary with a parent, mm-hmm. there, there's a lot of, a lot God. of thought, time mm-hmm. and grief in going into making that decision. Exactly. It, it's, it's really devastating. And, and I actually think that there should probably be more spaces where people can gather and, and mm-hmm. be together and talk about that because there's that attitude of like, well, you only, you only live once and you, you know, you're, mm-hmm. it's your father or it's your mom or, you know, and it's like, 
it's so it's much like you it's said, so much complicated. complicated it's so complicated yeah that's my little tidbit and and it's not something I talk about a lot because unless I go into the whole backstory which I have no interest in doing how do yeah. I even explain that or how do you you know people don't understand and that and all I say is like okay Josh was a really rational calm person he obviously didn't make this lightly and you know just just respect what he wanted and that's what he wanted and it's not you know yeah. I'm glad that you're able to touch on that because there's there's a lot of different kinds of loss. Yes, yeah, there are. Okay, we're going to pause this episode. I want you, when I'm done talking, don't hit pause right now because you won't know what to do. But as soon as I'm done talking, I want you to hit pause and I want you to go into this episode and I would love if you would rate this show with a five-star rating because that is how podcasts are successful. The algorithm, what the, you know, wherever you listen, the platform of maybe it's Spotify, maybe it's Apple, maybe it's Amazon, they can keep track of what episodes have a lot of downloads. And that's where, you know, if some people are liking it, they assume other people are going to like it because they want people using their streaming service. So if you are enjoying this, go and rate us, please, please, please. Shows with a higher rating get pushed out more because they think, well, if these people like it, other people will like it. Plus, if you're looking for a show to listen to and you're like, oh, well, it has four two-star ratings, I don't think I'm going to do that one. But if it has a hundred five-star ratings, yeah, more likelihood of listening. So it would really mean a lot to us if you could just hit pause, go and give us a rating, and then come back and finish listening. Thank you so much. Is it awkward to share my last event? No, no. <laughs> In the beginning of February, we're doing a book club, a virtual book club with author Megan Reardon Jarvis. And she wrote the memoir, End of the Hour. She's actually a trauma therapist who, after experiencing the loss of both of her parents within a pretty short period of time, ends up needing to get some extensive support, inpatient support for mm-hmm the trauma she experienced specifically related to the loss of her mom who ended up dying like very suddenly while they were on vacation together. And that's going to be really special. And that's a lot of these events, I should say, some of them cost money, but they're like that one in particular is free. I just think an amazing opportunity to, you know, you get to have like a pretty intimate Q and A and listen to an author that with this shared experience and who also has an ex- has the experience as a trauma therapist too, with a lens of like offering help, but then really needing help. I think it's going to be pretty awesome. So, I mean, my own experience. So my husband passed away last month was three years. So it was December of 2020. And we actually, cause I started grad school for nurse practitioner right when we got married, like a month or two after we got married. And then it was a five and a half year program because we were, you know, we were doing everything right, everything responsible, everything correct, you know, for, for the years to come. Right. And so we, we sat down, we penciled it out and we're like, yep, it'd be great if I did a full-time three-year program or even a four-year program, but this one's five and a half years and we can pay as we go, you know, just I'll keep working as much as I can and not take out a bunch of student loans and just, you know, planning for the future. Cause you know, yeah. did, everything, did everything right. And that was kind of our, you know, thoughts. So then when I graduated a year before he passed away, we decided to just start some like couples therapy, just because the whole time we were married for that five and a half years, it was survival mode. It was, 
it was in my free time. I had to study and do homework. Like we didn't, you know, so we were just trying to figure out how to navigate those roles in our marriage. And we had a two-year-old at the time and just trying to figure all that out. And so we started, you know, some couples therapy and we had a therapist and she was awesome. And I think we went three or four times and it was just like, you know, it was kind of the very first session. She's like, so what do you want to work on? And we're just like holding hands. We're like, I don't know. We just have to be fun. And she's like, oh, okay. <laughs> we're like, I don't know, like just healthy. And so that was our experience. And we went those three or four times. So then when he passed away and, and like we, I mean, we had problems like any other married couple, but it was just like, it was a really healthy, whatever. So then when he passed away, I called her, I think the next day, cause he passed away on a Wednesday. I called her on Thursday and she's like, yeah, I remember who you are. You know, what's up? And I'm like, well, Josh died yesterday. Mm-hmm. And like, we talked on the phone for like an hour and a half, my therapist, you know, I just mm-hmm. called her and, and again, I'm, you know, and she knew who I was and it wasn't a real session, but it was just like, a, we came up with a plan and she's like, come back in here. And so the fact that I was able to have professional help. And so then three weeks after he died, I was in there and I saw her once a week until my child was born because I found out I was pregnant the day after the funeral. So when I first called her, I didn't even know I was pregnant. <laughs> and I called her the next week was like, by the way, Pam, I'm pregnant. And so having that, wow. that established, you know, one-to-one, but so I never did, I still have yet to do much for group therapy or, you know, connecting with those losses. Cause I, that wasn't really the route that I needed. I just needed to like, okay, get me through one week at a time and help me come up with a yeah. plan of what I'm supposed to do next. And there's yes. some things that I had to do, like everything was in his name and like, just like help me, help me think clearly. Cause there's stuff I have to do and I'm raising a kid and I'm, you know, I'm thinking of, you know, just someone to run it by. Like I'm thinking of cutting back my hours because of this and just help me think through this and like running it by a non-biased professional was great. Yeah, yeah. But that being said, I never really, I joined some Facebook groups. I joined, but you know, to couple it all together, like your mom died or your husband died or whatever, but then mm-hmm. finding people that maybe, you know, bonding with someone that, well, my mom died when I was young or my mom died of this. And it's, it's the same thing with, you know, my husband, I've, become pretty good friends with a gal that she lost her husband he died by suicide and I find myself okay be careful what you say because it something that's comforting to me might not be comforting to her and I even though it's the same we're both widowed young and whatever it's not the same and so it's just even when you think you have that community it's so hard because everything is so unique but just someone who's also grieving and also navigating the secondary losses Oh my goodness. So many secondary losses. I think, okay, you make it, you bring up a couple of really amazing points. First of all, I want to say that I don't think that, that a community like this is for everyone. I think that how we, we move with our grief is how we move with our grief. And if it's not something you need, that's totally okay. What works best for you is what works best for you. And and I think, you know, I think, maybe not right away. Like when you're talking about logistics of loss, I think sometimes that clouds your ability to actually grieve in a real way. Um, But I think uh, ultimately your intuition, your knowing is going to guide you to what you need and, and, and you'll find it. What was the last thing you said that just resonated? Oh, secondary losses. Yes. Um, Gosh, so many people think that like, it's the main event that is only the only big deal. The main event is 
your husband dying, my mom dying, you know, no, no, that's not it. There are so many things that come afterwards and, and they're varied. It can be loss of, you know, like for me, maybe um, this isn't true for me, but maybe for a young person, like having to move. So you lose your friendships, you lose your community, you lose your home that you lived in. Like all of these things are huge. And when you layer that (laughs) on top of So we named our flower farm, Sunny Mary Meadow. And Mary was my late husband's mom. And we bought the place that he grew up on. We bought that family farm. Like I said, it's complicated. We bought it in 2016. And the main reason was he's like, that's, he's like, our kids are never going to know my mom. He's like, that's where I feel her presence. That's where I want to raise my kids. And I was like deep into grad school. Like we were getting to be, we were starting up on the hard part actually you know, I was about 30% done with grad school at that point. And we had this long-term plan when kind of suddenly the farm came up for sale because his dad decided he was going to retire. And it was either, it was either we bought it or someone else did. And so we, I mean, we had to scrape together to buy it. And, you know, it was like, kind of part of me was like, okay, like, is this really what's best for us? Cause it was a 130 year old house. Like it was like, okay, like, you know, there's, there's a lot of work and money to be done. And we're throwing a lot of money into a sentimental. Is this really how we want to spend our lives is trying to like make enough money to fix this place up and okay. Like, but it was his sentiment. Like I knew that I don't want to say he'd never forgive me if I didn't let him do it, but kind of like, I just knew like, well, this is what we're doing because this is yeah, what yeah. been. okay. And we'll just figure it out. And so then it was just supposed to be this little hobby farm. And now that's my I only work one day a week as a nurse practitioner now because I have this flower farm and I have this business that's kind of exploded. But that was 10 years after she died was we named it Sunny Mary Meadow. Four years after she died was when we got married and then also Josh's sister got married. And I know that that was so hard for her to go wedding dress shopping. I mean, it was, I, I think it was four months before her wedding and she still hadn't gone dress shopping. And she's like, well, you're supposed to do it with your mom. You know, and it just... All of those things were so hard. And I'm, I'm appreciative that this is going to sound so weird. I'm appreciative that we had that because that, that's not what I mean, but able to sit on the sidelines and he and I were able to have some tough conversations about like what his mom would have thought or would have wanted or whatever. And, mm-hmm. and he was, he said a lot of foreshadowing things that have helped me navigate my grief, knowing exactly how he felt. So like, I don't have that guilt. I know that someday. And I really do believe that I will see him again. I think that, you know, when I go see him, like I have nothing to be ashamed about. I've done nothing wrong since he passed away as I mean, yeah. Okay. Maybe I speed sometimes maybe I, but as far as like, he's not gonna be like, why did you do that? It, like I have made him proud. I know yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And I have navigated relationships and there are so many little like things that he has said just watching from the sidelines of others grieving or, you know, my best friend was widowed when, you know, in 2015. And so like just things that he said, like, well, in this instance, or, you know, and, and it wasn't judgmental. It wasn't, you know, but just his opinion on whatever. And so that has helped me to have kind of this roadmap of like, okay, this is, Josh wouldn't expect this from me, or he wouldn't expect that from me, or he'd be okay with this. Or he thinks that life is meant to keep on living or life is for the living and, you know, just ways he wanted to honor his mom and how he was happy to can their secret Bloody Mary mix and call it Mary's Bloody Marys and, you know, just things like that. But like I said, in sometimes finding that community and not everyone has that. 
Okay. So you have four children and how have they, cause you've said that they've seen you do this. They've seen you're navigating your grief. They never met grandma. Mm-hmm. Um, no. So they what, <laughs> yeah, they, but they know her exactly. Yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. What tips do you have for someone who, from the perspective of raising children who never met their grandma, which I'm doing that too. My two yeah. daughters, I would say that's one of the hardest things since Josh passed away because I'm trying to help them know their dad and their grandma that I never met. Well, you know, it's interesting because I have always deeply desired to talk about my mom. Um, For me, it's been really easy to keep her present. And, you know, from a very, from them being infants, you know, we had, you know, you know, those like plastic chewy, they're actually photo albums. And so you, you know, you can like stick in Yep. pictures into these they're and they're only like five pages but you like sit with your baby and then they can chew on it and then yep. you can look at pictures because you know and we know that infants love to look at other human faces and so yep. in, in this case I, I put in family members and my mom was one of the pictures in in that chewy photo album <laughs> and so yep. you know from a very young age this is grandma laura lee and it's grandma it's not my mom it's it's been grandma laura lee you know and then also it's not like a i mean sometimes i do grieve i'm a very emotive person so when i feel my feelings or when i have my feelings i feel them and that might be crying and about missing my mom in certain in certain on certain occasions i mean i think especially having kids without a mom i i feel like a lot of situations with them are bittersweet for me so it's Mm -hmm. like i'm looking at them through the lens of of a mother and also a daughter without her mom who uh, and and I'm looking at them as grandchildren without their grandmother who I know would have loved to witness their growth their achievements their failures like all of it you know one thing in particular my kid we have my mom's piano that she grew mm-hmm. up playing on and I grew up playing on and now they have so you know I remember that first instance when my second oldest specifically i don't know why this this specific incident but when she started playing and it was just it like brought me to my knees you know so i let my kids see that and then also just you know like if we do things that jog a memory for me i'll share that we're doing this i don't don't know at baking cookies is coming to mind because it's christmas time and we celebrate and we bake cookies and but she loved that so it's like Mm -hmm. oh well these are my mom love you know your grandma loved this this is These are her favorite cookies, like that type of thing. Just simple ways of honoring her and keeping her present. That's really important to me. You know, I I think some of those things that are so hard to do. So that, so Josh died on a Wednesday. So my daughter's third birthday was on Monday and then Tuesday I had work off. So I, I was home and that's when I was working full-time as a nurse practitioner, but I I didn't work Tuesdays. I worked like nine and a half hour days, four days a week. And so I had Tuesday off. And so then our three-year-old the day after her birthday, she and I were home because that was in the heat of COVID second lockdown 2.0 that he died that December when all the restaurants and everything in Minnesota were closed for the next wave or whatever. And then he worked from home. So he was home all that day and we built a gingerbread house and actually it was like a chicken coop gingerbread house. And we had a great day. And then the next day he died, he was running on his treadmill during his lunch break and he died and we found him after work. And the next year, nope, nope. I walked by the gingerbread houses in Target. And was like, oh my God. 
And then last year, which would have been year two, there was this local bakery that posted that they were, you know, had gingerbread houses for sale. And I just, I was like, before I could even think about it much, I was like, yep, I'll take one. Went in there and we built it. And I was like choking back tears, but Vidalia, it was a couple days after her fifth birthday. And then Davy was one and a half, you know, and we just, and I'm like, all right. And then now this year, we actually didn't do one this year just because we were busy, but like now it's not a thing, right? Whereas it's like sometimes just ripping off that bandaid and those traditions that it's like, okay, but I, I just, it was so important to me to like, I don't want their story to be, well, we weren't allowed to have gingerbread houses because they make my mom sad. Like yeah, that, yeah. that was so important to me. I'm like, well, they've got enough trauma. I don't want that to be part of their, yeah. yeah like grow, like what are they going to say about it? And how well, we weren't allowed to have gingerbread houses because my dad died and my mom was making yeah, a yeah. house. And, you know, so it's just being aware. And when you're a parent and you, when you got to just like, yeah, no, I know I don't have to do anything, but yeah. it's not just about me. There's other people in mine. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, so true. So, so true. Yeah. And also that you can, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking like, yeah, the, yeah, the gingerbread houses may make my mom sad and she did it anyway. Mm-hmm. She knew it brought us joy. Like yeah. awesome. Right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's so much of grief, I think can be both. And it's, it can be holding those seemingly opposing truths at, at once the joy, mm-hmm. the sorrow mm-hmm. specifically yeah. it's, it's not either or ever. (laughs) Yeah. So thank you so much for meeting us today and sharing part of your story. And I mean, I know we, there's so much to touch on, right? We can't get all of it, but if you want to hear more about this nonprofit, it's all in our episode notes, you know, we'll tag it all over our social media, but you know, I just, I also think it's so cool to hear. I mean, there are some people that, you know, I had my friend Gina on that started a nonprofit for NICU families. I think I think he was barely even discharged before she started the nonprofit or, you know, there's, I have another friend that's coming on. Um, her husband passed away and he was in the military. And I mean, that was within a few months, but sometimes it's 30 years. Sometimes yeah. it's, you know, whatever it might be. So yeah, exactly. Yes. And so there's no timeline. Well, thank you so much. And yeah, thanks for listening to another bloom and grow episode. Thank you for listening to the bloom and grow with Liz Fiddler podcast. You can find us at bloomandgrow.llc on Instagram and Bloom and Grow with Liz Fiddler on Facebook. We're always looking for stories of those who have gone through the trenches of grief and found a way to keep blooming and growing through it. So if you have an idea for an episode, please send us an email, liz at sunnymarymeadow.com and tell us what you think. You can also go to our website, www.bloomandgrowwithliz.com and sign up for our email list. You'll find all of that information in the episode notes. Thanks for being here. Bloom and grow.